Welcome to the Expert Series, brought to you by the Lupus Foundation of America. Our health education team is here to bring you experts in lupus to discuss topics to help you live better. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. My name is Melissa, and I'll be your host. I'm excited to welcome Dr. May Choi today. Dr. Choi is here to talk with us about self-care and lupus self-management. Dr. Choi is a rheumatologist, clinician scientist, and assistant professor at the Cummings School of Medicine, University of Calgary. Her research is focused on biomarker discovery and validation for prediction of clinical outcomes in autoimmune rheumatic diseases and the prevention of autoimmune disease development and disease-related complications. Her background and training include a Master's of Public Health in Epidemiology at Harvard University and a Lupus Fellowship at the Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Choi. Thank you so much for inviting me to talk about this very important topic, Melissa. Thanks. It's great to have you. So let's just jump right in and get started. Um, I want to start my first question, just start with the basics. What do we mean when we say self-management and self-care? And is there a difference between the two? That's a really great question. And um, first, I'd like to just mention that I think you know, regardless of the definitions, I think every lupus patient should participate in some sort of self-care or self-management as part of their journey of healing. And in my practice, anecdotally, um, I find that my patients who are the most motivated to do self-care and self-management are the ones who end up doing the best. So I'm really happy to share some of the information and tips that I've learned from my patients. Um, so yeah, the difference between self-care and self-management. Um, I think if you ask experts, there's some technical differences, but these two terms have been used interchangeably. But if you really wanted to get into the nitty-gritty details of what each of those mean, self-care is kind of more of a broad concept that means um, the ability to take care of oneself and to engage in activities that help to achieve, maintain, and promote health. And these activities can be done independently or with the help of others like your healthcare team. On the other hand, you have self-management. And that, for some people, can be like a subcategory of self-care where you are engaging in those activities, but you're working with your healthcare team. You're working with the support of your family and community to manage your disease. And that can be things like um, helping you to understand your illness, coming up with the treatment plan, coming up with, with, with ways to adhere to the treatment plan, um, et cetera. So regardless, I think both terms kind of, the message is that it's a really important part of the healing process, not just physically, but also emotionally and psychologically. I always tell my patients, you know, your physicians, your support, the medicines, the procedures, the surgeries can only take you so far. And really, at the end of the day, you know your body the best. And you, and if you take good care of yourself, then the more successful you will be. Um, and if you look at the scientific literature on people who've looked into um, self-care management, those with chronic diseases who practice good self-care have one better symptom control and outcomes. They have better quality of life, coping, uh, sense of well-being. They're more satisfied. They have fewer complications. 
fewer healthcare utilization like hospitalizations and related costs, and also longer survival. Wow, that's a really long list of benefits yeah. <laughs> or something. That's kind of yeah. amazing. Um, so, you know, what I'm hearing when I hear you say that is that, in a sense, a person with lupus is um, a really important part of their own healthcare team. Exactly, yeah. Like they're, yeah, I mean, they're a member of their own care team. Instead of just, you know, being a patient who receives care, you're also a member of your own care team when you, um, you know, participate in the self-care and self-management of your lupus. I definitely agree with that. So my next question then is, so what are some of the factors of self-management? What goes into it? Yeah, so I think that, um, you know, there are lots of things to consider when you're trying to understand somebody's ability to practice self-care. Um, and that can be categorized into a few things. If you look at um, healthcare-related factors, that would be things like what is the relationship of the patient with the physician? Do they have an open communication style? How involved is the patient in their decision-making? Um, what's the cost related to their drugs or their healthcare utilization? So that would be some healthcare-related factors. Then there's also disease and treatment-related factors. So how long has the patient had the disease for? Maybe they're really familiar with lupus because they've had it for many years. Uh, what about the disease severity? So maybe the patient's really, really sick at that time and uh, may need some more help in terms of self-management. Um, what is their quality of life? Have they had bad side effects from drugs before? Uh, then the next category you can think about would be patient-related factors. So there's been lots of studies looking at um, the age of the patient, the sex or gender, the marital status, education, um, occupation, all of those factors do um, influence one's ability to practice in self-management. And then uh, another category would be looking at more like psychological or social economic factors. So considering someone's cultural and spiritual beliefs, what is their coping styles, what are all their different types of supports. So um, it's, you know, I, I think that it's, when you say, oh, you should do some self-care and self-management, but you also have to consider all of these things that really influence one's ability to, to do those things. Yeah, so it seems like that's a lot to take into account when um, mm -hmm. you're thinking about putting together a self-management plan or, or um, yeah, you know, list of activities for someone. Exactly. So, and it also sounds like, you know, what you're saying is that self-care isn't always easy, right? It's not, like you said, it's it's not just saying, oh, you should take care of yourself. There's really a lot that goes into it. Um, so I'm wondering, so what are some of the barriers that to self-management that you see in your patients and, and how, um, how can people overcome them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's not uncommon for patients with lupus to encounter barriers. In fact, there was um, a study by Dr. Paul Fortan et al. that was published in 2020 looking at self-management in lupus patients. Um, they included 541 lupus patients from 10 different centers, and they found out that about a third of these patients felt that they didn't have the skills for lupus self-management. 
And so these patients were more likely to be single. They had lower physical health status, lower self-report disease activity. They used more emotional coping styles rather than instrumental coping strategy. And they also perceived that they had uh, a lack of clarity in their patient-doctor relationship. And so your question about what are some barriers, so there's um, three broad categories that you can think about this in. So at the individual level, I think it's important to consider the motivation level of the patient. Uh, so some really good examples that I see in clinic would be um, like smoking, uh, diet, and also uh, maintaining a healthy weight. You have to consider how motivated the patient is. Um, and to kind of overcome that, one of the ways is to talk to your healthcare provider so that you can understand why it's important to have those changes. Like, what is the risk of continuing to smoke when you have lupus? What is the risk of um, a high BMI or eating very inflammatory foods? I think if the patient and the physician are engaged in those kind of discussions, the patient might have a better understanding of why it's important to do those things. Um, the other thing is to seek others or to surround yourself with people who have those healthy behaviors or supportive of you making those changes. I think that's always helpful. Um, also, it's important to consider how aware the patient is of their need to change or to engage in self-care. Do they have the knowledge and the resources to engage in those activities? Um, and as a physician, I think it's important to also consider, you know, does the patient have any, at the individual level, have any, you know, comorbidities that could be impairing their ability to do self-care, such as anxiety, depression, or like physically, can they not you know, do some of these activities? So again, having a good conversation with their healthcare providers and the healthcare team to help address some of those issues is really key. Um, and then related to that is your 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 relationship with the physician. You try to keep an open communication style. Perhaps there's a language barrier and you need somebody on the translation line or to bring somebody into the appointment with you to um, translate some of the information. And that for me, I see a large population of uh, Asian lupus patients and they bring in their family members to help translate. And I also speak Chinese, so that um, that also helps. Uh, so having making sure that the information is being passed on effectively and accurately. Um, I think another important part of, you know, the barriers that we have to consider and address are, you know, family supports and community supports. So in my assessments, I always ask the patients about, you know, who they live with and who are their family supports. If they get really sick, who's going to help take care of them or take care of their family while they're looking after themselves? And if there's any um, concern, I always involve a social worker that's in our clinic to help see if they can provide any resources for them. And then um, on another level would be like environmental barriers. So things like finances or transportation. Um, and again, involving other people in the healthcare team, like our social worker or like our pharmacist to find out you know, cheaper options for medications. Um, so yeah, involving the entire healthcare team can really help address some of these um, barriers for our patients. That's really interesting. So I, you know, it sounds like all of these are 
you know, what we call um, the social determinants of health, right? All of the things outside of the physical body that can influence a person's health in their community and in their individual lives. Um, Mm -hmm. So again, you know, what what this keeps coming back to is this is more complicated than the phrase self-care or the phrase self-management makes it sound. And um, so what are, you know, if you had to distill down like the best ways for people with lupus to take care of themselves, you know, what would you say are, should be the the priorities or the, the best way forward there? Yeah, so I, that's a excellent question. And I think one of the things we have to consider, first of all, is, you know, that lupus affects every patient differently. And so we have to really have a good sense First of all, what are their strengths and potential barriers that they may encounter uh, for them to take care of themselves? Um, And so there's actually a lot of tools available um, on the web um, that allow you to do that assessment, and then they provide you with some um, toolkits to try to address uh, those barriers and try to coach you through um, self-management. And we'll give you a few examples of tools that I found online to be particularly helpful. So first, I'll start off by talking about the ACR Lupus Initiative. It's a website with a great with great resources for lupus patients um, that talk about lupus self-care. And they break it down into a few categories. They talk about managing your physical symptoms, medication decision making, how to communicate with your healthcare team. What are some important lifestyle management issues? And then practicing self-management with your healthcare team. And within each category, they bring up really good questions that you should ask yourself and your doctor when you're at the appointment. And what are some goals you should set yourself? So, for example, managing physical symptoms. They talk about how lupus patients should adhere to their medications and go to their appointments. And to talk about um, what symptoms that are uh, considered to be significant that you should really bring to the attention of your doctor or your healthcare team. And they suggested to track everything in a journal. Then for medication decision-making, uh, they talk about why it's important to understand the medications that you're taking, keeping track of these medications, and to uh, note down any side effects. Uh, And before you go to an appointment, they suggest that you should make a list of what medications you're on and make note of which ones need refills so that you don't forget after you leave the appointment and having to call back to make that request. Uh, Communicating with your healthcare team is another good one uh, because lupus is such a complex disease. There are many things that you might want to ask, but to make most out of your appointment, try to make a very short specific list of things you want to ask your doctor. And if time runs out, then you can always be trying to make a follow-up appointment to to ask all the questions. The doctor has time to address each question appropriately. Lifestyle management is a really good one, and I always address this during my appointments with my patient, either during or at the very end, just to remind them of, you know, important lifestyle uh, behaviors that they should engage in. So, one of them would be, you know, um, reminding them to reduce their stress, making healthy food choices, staying active. If they're smoking, to um, stop smoking. Um, skin protection is really important in lupus to prevent any flares and also vaccinations. If they're a 
young female in their reproductive age, we always bring back the conversation of reproductive health because we studies have shown that it's important to plan your pregnancy ahead of time if you have lupus, just because there are higher risk of complications and then the medications that they're on may not be healthy for um, the fetus. And so there might be changes that have to be made before they get pregnant. And then the last part is uh, communicating with your healthcare team. And so there are strategies and how you can do that more effectively. So I really like that as like a good starting point with great resources. You can download various PDFs from their website. Uh, there is a, another great one that's been rolled out by the Lupus Foundation of America, which is called SELF, which stands for Strategies to Embrace Living with Lupus Fearlessly. And essentially, it's, it's, it's a great program because it's online, but you can also have it on your smartphone, your, your tablet, and it act, acts as a virtual coach to try to go through different pillars of self-management. So they break it down into like managing symptoms and stress, medications, and how to work with your healthcare team. And it's really nice because it tailors uh, the program towards your specific needs. So at the beginning, they give you a questionnaire and they find out what are some areas that need improvement, and then they tailor that to um, your specific case. Uh, and then they have on there really um, some key features that lupus patients can access, which include, you know, the symptom tracker, medication tracker. So uh, all the things that I talked about previously, you can do that all on this program. They also have a place for journal. And um, of course, they include all of the resources and tools and activities that are tailored towards your specific needs. What I also found as cool is that you can connect with your peers in the lupus community and have your answers, uh, questions answered by a LFA education specialist. So I think that's a really cool tool to have. It sounds very, um, I, I really like apps and things that are very accessible. So that's a really good one to have like on your phone. And then um, mm -hmm. just, you can just even Google like self-management tools for lupus. And there's like lots of organizations that have come up with their own version of a toolkit or like information about self-management. So lots of information out there to help uh, patients with self-management. Uh, that's great to know. And I, I'm familiar with both um, the Lupus Initiative and um, obviously with SELF and uh, they are both really great programs. And, you know, I think that, that one of the things that the, the programs and even lots of other programs show is that having, you know, some sort of structured plan is really important because I think that, so for example, when you talk about the lifestyle changes that are really important for people with lupus to make and maintain, they're not easy. You know, quitting smoking is not an easy thing. Um, you know, learning to, to eat healthy and maintaining that is not, is not that easy. And so, you know, do you feel like this sort of a, a more structured, um, plan helps people to, to um, you know, to keep those changes going? Yes. I think having something like this is um, acts as a motivation and a reminder to keep doing these things. Some of that can be lost sometimes, especially if you're, say your lupus is flaring and you're going into the appointment and it, it doesn't get addressed because there's, you know, you're very sick. But having that on your um, toolkit reminds you to keep those things in the background going. Um, and if your physician doesn't bring it up 
and you're concerned about it, then you know that it's something that you should uh, really think about and maybe address it in a future appointment. So I, I, I totally agree. I think it's a, it's a great uh, toolkit to have to keep, keep those lifestyle behaviors, like you said, challenging, but kind of on the, you know, on the background to remind yourself to keep going at it. Yeah, that's great. So, so then that brings me to um, my next question, because you were talking about, you know, when you go in and, you know, your physician um, might be able to help you with that. So how, how can someone with lupus involve their doctor in their self-management plan? And, and how, you know, how can a, a doctor and a patient work together um, mm -hmm. in self-management? Yeah, so your your physician is a very important part of your healthcare team. They also have to remember that there are lots of people supporting your physician that um, you also need to work with. Um, so yes, you might have a rheumatologist, but you might also have a nephrologist, a dermatologist, a hematologist. And in addition to that, there might be a nurse practitioner, there's the administrative assistant, social worker, pharmacist. So a lot of people on your healthcare team supporting you and your doctor. Um, so I think it's important to have good communication with all of the healthcare, healthcare team members, knowing how to contact them and what their specific roles are. And that, um, you know, recognizing that we should all be communicating with each other. And one of the ways that we do that is we, uh, when we write letters, um, documenting the progress of the patient uh, at the visit. We often copy all of the healthcare providers on that letter so they're aware of you know, the current status or if there are any changes to the treatment plan. Um, and having the journal we talked about earlier is really important. Journaling uh, what's been going on at home so you don't forget to mention these things to the doctor but also when you go to the appointment, writing the, some of that information down so that you don't forget it when you come home. Like I said, lupus is very complex. There's many things to talk about during an appointment. And often, you know, my patients come in with their a binder and they just write down information um, so that they don't forget these things. And um, I think that's been a really helpful part of their, their journey. So um, the other thing, in addition to a journal, is taking pictures. I think that sometimes a physician may not be able to fit you in right away, but if you take a picture and there's um, something that you want to show them, like a rash or swollen joint, that's also very informative, and that can help the physician, physician like triage how urgently you need to be seen. Sometimes those rashes and swollen joints disappear before you come into the clinic, but having the pictures, are, again, are really, really helpful. So I think in summary, just having an open communication, knowing who who are all the people in the healthcare team supporting the doctor and yourself, how to contact them, when to contact them, and the different ways that you can communicate, like journaling or taking pictures, is really key. That's great. That's actually that's really um, great and helpful advice. Um, and I I really like how you know over the course of our conversation. Um, you know, it started off, I, there were so many things that seemed to, to go into self-care that it seemed, you know, to be honest, a little intimidating. But, you know, as, as we've gone on, I've started thinking, well, but there are so many people there to help people with lupus in their self-management. You know, just like you mentioned, not just your rheumatologist, but all of the other specialists and the nurse 
practitioners and pharmacists. And then earlier you talked about friends and family, and we've talked about these tools. So, um, you know, it feels like there's, there's support for self-care. So even though it's something you're doing yourself, you have a lot of um, people and tools to, to lean on when you need it. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with that. So, so that makes it all, it makes self-management feel a little more manageable, I think, um, yeah. than, you know, it might seem at first. Um, so I, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. I think that this was so helpful and you gave such great, really specific, concrete advice. And that's always um, really helpful for people to hear. Um, so thank you again for your time today and um, for speaking to us about self-care and self-management. Um, for those of you listening in, you can find more information on lupus on the National Resource Center on Lupus by visiting lupus.org forward slash resources. For the latest information on lupus and COVID-19, please visit lupus.org forward slash coronavirus. To listen to additional episodes of the expert series, you can visit lupus.org forward slash the expert series, where you can also subscribe to get alerts when podcasts are released. If you would like to speak with one of our health education specialists, you can go to lupus.org forward slash health educator or call 1-800-558-0121. And finally, to connect with others with lupus from all over the world, I invite you to check out our online support community, Lupus Connect, where you can talk with others, find emotional support, and discuss practical insights for coping with the daily challenges of lupus. You can find the community at lupus.org forward slash resources forward slash lupus connect on behalf of the lupus foundation of america thank you for listening have a wonderful day